I feel fortunate. I feel blessed to be here this morning. Um, I don't know if Doug made it yet. We were on our bicycle this morning on our way here and had a major breakdown. Um, and it's because of welcome and hospitality, in some sense, that I'm here. Because I was a we were able to call friends who came and rescue us, got us here. But uh, aside from that, there were several strangers along the way who stopped with us and for us and offered help if our friends hadn't been able to get here. So I am thinking about welcome this morning and glad, very glad to be here. As Lisa said earlier in January, there was a group of us, uh, Margaret High, Heidi Wirtz, Lisa, and I uh, were in Lauraville together for the music and worship leaders' welcome. And of course, it was a feast of music and worship and creative uh, expression. You come back and you feel like you just have been fed. And it's going to last a long time. And it was an opportunity for us to think together about hospitality. When we hear the word hospitality, what comes to mind for many of us is something I think rather safe, cozy, nice, polite conversation, good manners, hopefully some good food. Turns out this wasn't really the kind of hospitality that we were talking about at Laurelville. We talked together about hospitality not as entertaining guests, as we often do in our culture, but as the spiritual practice of welcome. As we explored what, kind of, what this kind of hospitality looks like, it became evident that it is anything but safe and cozy. In fact, this kind of hospitality is often uncomfortable and sometimes risky. And it can be life-changing. An anchor for our discussion was the quote that Lisa read for us from Henry Nouwen, and it's from his book, Reaching Out. He's got a whole section in that book about hospitality, the movement from hostility to hospitality. And I recommend you, if you have a chance to look at that book and to read that section, it is really profound. And I'd like to read that quote again that Lisa read. Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It's not to bring women and men over to our side, but to offer freedom undisturbed by dividing lines. These are beautiful and, in some ways, provocative words. But the question remains, I mean, what does it really look like to extend this kind of hospitality? Well, over the months that I've been here at East Chestnut Street, I think that I have been observing this congregation grappling with this very question in a variety of ways. We're trying to work out what this hospitality looks like on Monday evenings, where every week we host 100, 150, sometimes close to 200 people who crave not only food, but community and welcome. We're trying to work out what hospitality looks like as we take shifts at the winter shelter or seek to provide through Chestnut Housing Corporation safe, 
affordable housing for families who might otherwise be homeless. We are trying to look out, look, we are trying to work out what this hospitality looks like as we study what every church member should know about poverty. In an effort to deepen our understanding of friends and neighbors in our community and what it's like to live their reality. And beyond issues of poverty, we're trying to work out what this hospitality looks like as we interact with people who are actually quite different from us, with people from different racial or ethnic or cultural groups, with people from other faith traditions, perhaps non-Christian faith traditions, with people who find themselves on the margins because of their sexual orientation, with folks who hold very different political viewpoints, with folks who are very differently abled, and the list goes on. In the meantime, we are honest about our struggle. In our congregational listening process in the fall and the winter of 2011 into 2012, we had this to say about ourselves. And here I'm quoting from the listening report uh, that came out in February of 2012. We want to widen our welcome. We also like who we are and the way we do things. We wonder if we welcome in folks who are quite different from us, how might we be challenged to change? Are we willing to go there? Those are your words. I think this is such a wonderful question, and it gives me a lot of hope to hear this question be asked. It is a crucial question at this point, I think, in the life of this congregation. And how it is answered will significantly shape who and what this congregation becomes. And so in the next number of weeks, we're going to take some time to think about it, this question, in a variety of ways as we focus our preaching and worship on this spiritual practice of hospitality, of welcome. This morning, I want to begin this series by just making some general observations about hospitality that can perhaps provide a framework for ongoing conversation among us. First, what is hospitality? In Greek, the word itself is composed of two parts, love and stranger. So at its most, most basic and literal level, hospitality is love of the stranger. Who's the stranger? Well, sometimes it is the other, someone we don't know or someone who is very different from us or someone that we may be afraid of, someone who is not yet a friend. Sometimes, sometimes a stranger is us, our very selves especially when we're really out of touch with who we are and our preciousness in God's eyes. We can become a stranger to ourselves. And sometimes, sometimes a stranger may be God, especially when we keep the door shut on God's loving presence that is wanting to reach into our lives. This love of stranger or hospitality 
is a very important biblical theme. This morning in Deuteronomy, we hear that God's people are to reflect God's very character by loving the stranger. God loves the stranger, so God's people are called to love the stranger too. And if that's not enough of a reason, God's people are reminded that they too were once strangers when they were in Egypt. They know what it's like to be aliens in a strange land. Therefore, they are called to love the stranger in their midst, to provide for them there. In Romans 15, we hear yet another motivation for extending welcome to the stranger. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. The Apostle Paul speaks these words in a context where the doors of the early church have been opened wide to include Gentile believers. And this is something that was quite unimaginable at that time in that place. And it was raising a whole host of issues for the faith community to deal with. And they were difficult issues about who to welcome and how. Paul's counsel in the midst of all of this complicated mess, and it was a complicated mess, his counsel is this. Remember Jesus and how he has brought you into God's loving embrace. Just as Jesus welcomed you, just as God welcomes you, welcome each other. If you remember nothing else from this hospitality series, Perhaps this is the most important thing to hold on to. So listen closely to this. Hospitality, the spiritual practice of welcoming the stranger, is not peripheral or optional to our faith. It is at the very core of the gospel. It is deeply rooted in God's welcome of each one of us. So... What does this hospitality, what does this welcome that reflects God's welcome, what does that look like? It may look like a lovingly prepared meal. We received so many of those when we first came to East Chestnut Street. You will never know how important that was for us to to begin getting to know people. It may look like a beautifully prepared guest room. Or it may look like a shared journey, like that journey on the road to Emmaus. The story about this journey from Luke 24, if you look at it, it is filled. It is filled with acts of hospitality. There are many different movements of hospitality that take place within the story. We see the first act of hospitality unfolding as Jesus draws near to two two travelers on the road. And it's evident that something is going on. Jesus notices the intensity of their conversation, the distress in these travelers' voices. He sidles up to them and falls into step alongside them. He invites conversation by asking this very simple question. So so tell me, what is it that you're talking about? And then... He listens. He listens not only to the story, not only to the plot line, 
but also to the confusion and the pain and the despair that is woven all throughout it. This is hospitality at its best. No fancy meal served, but it is hospitality at its best. It begins with attentiveness, and it deepens with our willingness to be present, to listen deeply, and to try the best that we can to see through the eyes of another. It creates safe space for the other to share a piece of their soul. As we read further into the story, we see that as hospitality unfolds, it's not always clear who is the guest and who is the host. As Jesus joins the travelers on the road, he is clearly the stranger. He's the one that no one knows. Yet, this stranger takes it upon himself to draw near to these travelers, to enter their personal space, and to offer significant gifts of hospitality, a caring presence, a listening ear, an outside perspective that turns out to be life-changing. On the road, Jesus, the stranger, shares the gift of a host. And then the tables are turned. When the travelers arrive at their destination with Jesus at their side, they become the hosts. Stay with us, they urge him strongly. They offer him food and shelter and fellowship and protection from the dangers of the night. And Jesus accepts their invitation to be their guest. But what an odd guest he turns out to be. I mean, it isn't his food, it isn't his table, it isn't his home. But when they all sit down together, Jesus, the stranger and the guest, takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to them. He becomes the host. So in the end, who's the guest? Who's the host? Well, you know, sometimes when precious gifts are shared among strangers, the distinction between guest and host proves to be artificial. In fact, sometimes that distinction melts away, disappears. The story in Luke 24 goes on to reveal another important aspect of hospitality. As we welcome the stranger, we have a unique opportunity to recognize the presence of the living Christ in our midst. It's in the breaking of the bread with a stranger that Cleopas and his friend come to recognize the presence of Jesus in their midst, right there, right there at the table with them. And somehow in the sharing of the bread, they come to see the stranger with new eyes. It's a holy moment as they are awakened to the presence of the risen Christ among them. As we welcome the stranger, might we expect these kinds of holy moments? I mean, after all, 
We are told in Matthew 25, which we sang so beautifully this morning, that when we welcome the stranger, we are welcoming none other than Jesus. This conviction is at the heart of Benedictine spirituality that Abbot John from St. John's Abbey shared with us about. He shared a lot about this about with us at Laurelville. The rule of Benedict, which guides the communal life of the Benedictine order, puts it like this. Let all guests who arrive be received as Christ. This is a spirituality which invites us to reverence, which invites us to honor the image of God in each other, and most particularly in the stranger that comes to us. This is something that I reflect on at Monday night meals. As I think about and as I greet the many guests that come through our doors, do I receive them as Christ? Am I open to seeing Jesus in each and every one of them? Do I recognize each person as one who is dear to the heart of God and a bearer of God's precious image. If I did, how might it impact our interactions? How might my ways of seeing and thinking be stretched, maybe even transformed? Perhaps most importantly, I find myself asking, am I willing to go there? Our story from Luke 24 indicates that an authentic, mutual experience of hospitality does bring about transformation. That was certainly the case for Cleopas and his friend. As they share hospitality with Jesus, the sad and broken story that they have been living is transformed into a story of new life and new possibility. They leave the table that night with new vision, new hope, new purpose. They leave their table that night with resurrected lives. And that's what the practice of hospitality can do. It can transform us inside and out. It can take us to places that we have not yet imagined or maybe could never imagine. It can stretch our hearts in ways that we never knew they could be stretched. Truly, this kind of hospitality is not for the faint of heart. It requires courageous and open hearts. In their book, Radical Hospitality, Offers, authors Daniel Homan and Lonnie Collins Pratt put it like this. Hospitality requires not grand gestures, but open hearts. When I let a stranger into my heart, I let a new possibility approach me. When I reach past my own ideas, I begin to stretch myself open to the world and this opening of heart, of my heart, could change everything. And that's pretty frightening stuff. You can't ever be the same if you start doing that kind of thing. 
That's the end of the quote. You can't ever be the same when you start doing that kind of thing. Question for us is, are we willing to go there? Are we willing to open ourselves to new ways of seeing and being? Are we willing to open ourselves to new relationships, to new lives? I'm going to simply leave these questions to linger here with us. Hopefully they will settle in our hearts. And in the meantime, may we continue to ponder God's wide, wider than we can imagine, a wide welcome extended to each one of us, a welcome that has already changed everything.